Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim, and thank you, listeners. You're listening to KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. By that, I mean to say, share my business knowledge and wisdom with you, our listener. For the next hour, my guest, a fellow entrepreneur, will be discussing how we maneuvered the path of entrepreneurship in pursuit of our dreams. The hope is that if you own or want to own a small business, you will gain some insights today of the risks and the rewards. We'll also be answering questions and giving advice via phone and email. Now, you may be asking yourself, what qualifies this lady to do this? And the answer is easy, experience. I started my company, Arkansas Flag and Banner, over 40 years ago with a meager $400. During the last four decades, Arkansas Flag and Banner has grown from door-to-door sales to telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales and now relies heavily on the Internet. Each change in sales strategy required a change in company thinking and procedures. My wisdom, confidence, and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. In this next hour, here is what not to expect. Don't expect textbook answers or pie-in-the-sky theories. What you will hear is a candid conversation about real-world experiences on topics I hope you'll find interesting. So be prepared for the truth. It's not always easy to hear. For example, in business, there are very few overnight successes. I worked part-time jobs for nine years before Arkansas Flag and Banner grew enough to support just me. It's now grown and expanded so much that to operate efficiently, we require, are you ready for this? A purchasing, manufacturing, graphic, shipping, technology, accounting, marketing, sales, and customer service department, plus a retail store. 25 people make their living from working at Arkansas Flag and Banner, but that didn't happen overnight. Starting and owning a business takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. I hope you'll take advantage of this unique opportunity by calling or emailing me on today's show. Before we start, I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have Tim Bowen, our technician, who will be taking your calls and pushing the buttons. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. My guest today is Laura Stanley, a third-generation gemologist and co-owner of her family business, Stanley Jewelry. Laura is a GIA graduate gemologist, a certified gemologist appraiser of the American Gem Society, a member of the National Association of Jewelry Appraisers, a national board member of the Jewelers for Children, a board member of the Arkansas Jewelers Association, and on the board of the Better Business Bureau of Arkansas. At the end of 2016, her family business, Stanley Jewelers Gemologist in North Little Rock, Arkansas, closed its doors after eight decades in business. Laura Stanley is here today to share with us how that tough decision came to be, how they strategically went about the business of closing the business, and what the future holds for this gemology family. Welcome to the table, Laura Stanley. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming so much. I found out before we came on that you 
have a degree in broadcast. I do. I have, I'm a horn frog from Texas Christian University, and I have a degree in radio TV film, which I used for a couple of years before I sort of fell into the family business back in something like 1989. Well, I you've think. been in your business 20 years already. I was read. there 27 years at Stanley Jewelers. I was very young when I started. <laughs> I came, I was at Stanley's from 1989, which was two years after I graduated from college in Fort Worth, until this past year when we closed. I know that it's hard sometimes for kids to go into their family business because I don't know why, it just right. is. Yeah, I never intended to. I never intended to. And my sister always did intend to, and she did for about a decade after she went to Fayetteville, got a degree in business and marketing, and then worked for about 10 years. And I always thought, no, 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 not at all. And so it's funny that I ended up being the, the one that came in accidentally and stayed for a quarter of a century. So, yeah. <laughs> so when I saw your ad on TV that said, Stanley Jewelers was having a going out of business sale. I almost dropped my teeth. I thought, have I heard that wrong? We got that a whole lot for the first few weeks until it sort of sunk in. We kind of took everyone by surprise. Obviously, we had been planning it for a while because you can't just plan that overnight. My father wanted to retire, which was fine. More power to him. He had been there for 57 something years and he just, he wanted to retire. He was ready to retire. And I had been thinking long and hard for the last several years about, do I want to take it over? What will I do? All of that. And at the same time, my husband who hasn't lived in Little Rock for almost five years is still not living in Little Rock. And when I sat down and really thought all of it through and the future and everything, I thought I can't do this. You know, I cannot, because if I took over the store, I would be even more married to the store, to the business than I already was, which I was pretty already married to it. But if I had been the only Stanley there, I would really not be able to even go out of town or anything. You know, you're yeah. married to it and you are in town and you're at work every day, all day, and you don't go to lunch and all of that. And that's all fine. But I had just kind of gotten to a point in my personal life where I thought I cannot, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. It was kind of wearing me out because you I was traveling too much. I was living, it's like I had two lives and I was trying to make them into one and it was just too much. And so Rather than leave the jewelry industry, which I love, and Little Rock, which I love, what I've done is open an office, Laura Stanley Personal Jeweler, and I am doing all of the same things, appraisals, fine jewelry, diamonds, you know, anything, uh, projects, custom jobs, all of that sort of thing. I'm doing that, which is terrific. It's what I did at work every day, forever, only I'm doing it in an office setting, by appointment setting, so I can work and leave and more easily go see my husband every once in a while. Where is your husband? Well, he is now in Memphis, which is fantastic. He was in Pittsburgh for three and a half years before that. So Memphis is great, but it's still a two-hour drive, you know, and it's still picking up and loading dogs up and, there and let's hit the road and go. And, you know, it's still not here. You're still not <laughs> living with your husband. I'm still not living with my husband, but it's a lot better than it used to be. But you were only, Stanley's was only open five days a week, I think. That's right. We were open Monday through Friday. We, about 15 years ago, ish I'd have to look at a calendar but something like to be 15 years ago we stopped being open on Saturdays because the way our traffic pattern was at Stanley's as a destination we didn't rely too much on people just dropping in for the most part if you were if you came to Stanley's you were on a mission to get to Stanley's and Saturdays were pretty quiet and when you're in the building on Saturday you can't call manufacturers you can't call your suppliers you can't do a lot of the things you can do during the week so at some point it became obvious that if we'd close on Saturday everyone would get a weekend and then we would all be there all five days during the week and everyone could work more efficiently during the week as a team rather than oh well so-and-so's off today she'll be back tomorrow oh well so-and-so's off you know so it became a much better plan and a much more efficient and satisfying work week 
rather than having an employee staggered off every few days and everybody gets a weekend and everybody's really happy about it. I contemplate this at Arkansas Flag and Banner mm-hmm. because we're downtown. Right. And I contemplate all mm-hmm. the time, should we be open on Saturdays? And I always stay open on Saturdays. Did it hurt your business? It did mm-hmm. not. She's shaking her it head. It did not. Now. No, it did not. It didn't hurt us at all that we could tell. When we first closed on Saturdays, we said, well, we have to be open one night, right? There are all of these people who, who won't be able to get here, right? It's like that's sort of the common wisdom, the traditional thinking. So we were open on Thursday nights till 8 o'clock. Well, nobody came in after 6 on Thursday nights. So then we said, okay, well, let's make it 7 o'clock. Well, then nobody came in after 5.30. So then finally we're like, yeah, let's just close at 5.30 on Thursday like the rest of the week. And and it's it's like I said, when you're a destination, people are going to come see you. If they need you, they're going to come find you. They're going to be there when when they can get to you. And if, and if someone really, 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 really couldn't get there, you know, we were accommodating. I would stay late. I would come in early, work a Saturday morning, whatever. You know, but for the most part, I saw your ad on TV. Mm-hmm. It said you're going out of business, big sale. I drove over there Saturday, and the door was locked, and I thought, only <laughs> Stanley Jewelry right. could get away with this yep. with their great reputation. <laughs> well, I'm glad I finally know the answer yep. to why that came about, because I thought, this is what people are really starting to want a life-work balance again. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't tell you when my jewelry friends from out of state heard that we were not open on the weekends, they just couldn't believe it. They're like, how are you not open on Saturday? And I said, well, we don't need to be. It works out. It's all fine, you know. And most people can't fathom it. But I think most, a lot of jewelers anyway, are in more of a mall setting or a strip mall or in a place where there's more foot traffic. Because we were our own freestanding building, it changed our dynamic. You had eight decades of reputation. And we had that. But, you know, I mean, still, we were somewhat of an anomaly within the industry because most stores still are open on Saturday and closed on Monday. That's kind of a, not most, but if they have a two-day, you know, closure, it's going to be Monday, yeah, not Saturday, because Saturday is a popular day. Popular shopping day. Mm-hmm. And of course, at Christmas, we would open on Saturdays for about six or eight weeks before Christmas, so that, you know, because it's Christmas and there are more people shopping and you have to maximize. Yeah, I have so many questions for you, but we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and find out about how they decided to close and why they decided to close. Well, we heard a little bit about what Laura's reason for closing was, but I want to hear about why her father decided and why her sister didn't want to take it and then how they went about doing it and how many years it took to dissolve the business. The French are glad to die for love. They delight in fighting duels. But I prefer a man who lives and gives expensive a kiss on the hand may be quite continental but diamonds are a girl's best friend a kiss may be grand but won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the auto map men grow cold as girls grow old and we all lose our charms in the end but square cut or pear shape these rocks don't lose their shape diamonds are a girl's best friend tiffany's Time when a lass needs a lawyer, but 
Diamonds are a girl's best friend. We're going to get to hear about how to cut diamonds and choose diamonds and pick diamonds, but that's going to be later on in the show. Right now, I want to find out who started Stanley Jewelry. Was it your grandfather or your father? My grandfather, Charles Stanley, and my grandmother, who of course gets no credit. Why does she get no credit? Well, it's a female thing. You know, the women do all the work and they... Today it's a little better, but yes, it is. 80 years, 80 years ago, they didn't get the credit. She probably couldn't even sign the loans. Exactly, but she did a lot, a lot, a lot of the hard work. And she started on four hundred, or they started on four hundred dollars, just like me. Just I like read you. that. I know, right? Yep. And uh, it was nineteen thirty-six, downtown North Little Rock on Main Street, and it grew from a tiny little part of a drugstore. You know, like in the storefront, he had his watchmaking bench. He was a watchmaker. It started down there, and then he opened a small store and bigger and bigger and ended up on Park. And then by 1960, when my father was involved, the Main Street store was still open, and they opened the Park Hill store, and there was an overlap for like five or six years where both stores were open. But then by mm, 67 or 8, which is roughly when I was born, they had closed Main Street, and it was all Park Hill. And then for a little while in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a Rodney Parham store, but... That was a dad and a partner kind of a thing, and it only lasted a few years. And that's so. too overzealous. Yeah, it was, apparently it was quite uh, unwieldy, so yeah, too much. Yeah, and the, too much, the jewelry, my gosh, what's the dollar amount of inventory for jewelry? Oh, I mean millions, you know. It millions. Just, you, can't have, you can't have any sizable collection of large diamonds or even medium diamonds without getting into the millions. So was, would you say diamonds were Stanley's? Forte, or would you say it was yeah. some, yeah, diamonds. I would say it was diamonds and diamond jewelry. We were very traditional. We were always very traditional. You know, we were not designer-oriented. We didn't have, like, art jewelry, fashion jewelry. We were very traditional diamond jewelry, color gemstones, bridal. Bridal was always our focus. If today somebody wanted to do bridal, mm-hmm. they would call you? Yes, certainly. Yes, absolutely. They could get a private sitting with yes. you, and you could custom make them a diamond. That's right. Yes, and I so they well, get, I would, I would, right. I would get the diamond. I would get in diamonds that would appeal to them based on whatever they wanted, and we would find the right diamond, and then we would make the right setting. I love that. So your mm. grandfather was a gemologist, but yeah. first he was a watchmaker. Watch. He never was a gemologist. He was watchmaker all the way. Dad came in and was the gemologist angle. He was the first certified gemologist in Central Arkansas, not in the state, but in Central. And then um, by the time I got involved. I became a gemologist as well. So. And your sister didn't want to stay in the business when dad decided to sell it. Well, she has been gone. She was only right. there for about a decade. She's been in California, New York, back and forth. She's currently in California. Oh, she, she doesn't live yeah. here. No, she doesn't. She, oh, um, no wonder. Yeah, right. So she had already left a while ago. And she went and worked for the Platinum Guild and Jewelers of America. So she stayed in the she business. She has stayed in the industry just sort of on the other end of it, which is fantastic because between the three of us, Dad, me, and Caroline, we've got every angle of the jewelry industry. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she knows people on an end that we would never have known. And, of course, because of her connection to us, she knows people on our end. And we know mm-hmm. it's been it's been a very positive relationship. And she's still going to be doing that. Yes, she's, yes. And then you're going to be doing it under the new name, Lars Stanley's Personal Jeweler. Personal and do, jeweler. is there a website they can go to? Yes, Laura.diamonds. You mean your Earl has got dot diamonds. There's a dot dot, not dot com, but dot dot diamonds. diamonds. Why does everybody not use that? I don't know. It's a little confusing to some people. They don't, because most people are used to dot com or dot org. So some people, it kind of takes a beat for it to sink in that it is a real, you know, website. They want to add the dot com or add the dot org, but it's just Laura dot diamonds. Laura dot diamonds. Tim, when we get back to the office, can I buy Carrie dot (laughs) diamonds? Probably, yeah. We'd we'd have to check. 
see if it's available. I, I bet, bet it is. I bet it I'm is. Gonna, I'm going to guess that it is. <laughs> Why does nobody know about that? I don't know. A friend of mine who's a diamond cutter told me a couple of years ago when I was making the transition, I thought, well, clearly that's what my website has to be, right? Clearly. clearly. That's what every jeweler's <laughs> website should be, actually. Yep, I agree. So I know it was hard to make a decision to close Stanley Jewelers after almost a century in business. I know, I know. Tell yep. me kind of what led up to it and... Well, you I know, heard. Of, I heard what you said. Yeah, right. What I said was absolutely accurate. But you know, on the other side of it, Dad had. I mean, he. You know, he's seventy-seven now, and he's like the most healthy, fit, amazing seventy-seven-year-old ever. But still, you know, he is allowed to retire. And I just. I mean, this is several years of talking and discussing and thinking and strategizing how I could happily take it over I could have taken it over but it wouldn't nobody would have been happy because I would have felt because my my personal life I guess at some point I decided had to take priority right yeah if you're lucky enough to have a husband that you enjoy Uh you should spend some time with him you know I mean there are people who don't have that and that's a whole different world but I have a husband that I like a lot and you know wanted to see more often so and it was just really stressful for me for the last I mean going on five years was your father disappointed no, I don't think so because, number one, I think, I don't have children. Number one, I think parents want their kids to be happy, and he knew that I wasn't, and he knew that this change was really important. And number two, since I've opened my own office, it's not like the Stanley name just evaporated, you know? So I, I'm carrying it on just in a different way. In That's a more, true. In a, in a more streamlined way, in a way that works for me. As opposed to, you know, being a challenge every day that I cannot overcome. So. And really in a more modern way, because mm-hmm. there's not really, retail is not what it used to be. No, it's not. And it's funny, my sister, who works with a lot of trade shows, and so, like I said, sees the whole other side of the industry. She has said for the last six months, because of course she knew what was happening, she said, you guys are doing this at exactly the right time. She said the, the trade is changing so much, and it's so much harder for stores to operate and, and manufacturers and everything, just everything is changing so rapidly. She said, you guys are really going out at exactly the right time because you're going out at it on top with a bang as opposed to under some sort of distress, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. you know, when I first heard that, I thought, I can't believe Laura doesn't want to continue that business. But right. now that I'm having this conversation with you, it seems like the perfect evolution it, of the way things should go. I really think so. I really think so too. It I, just, I think it's perfect. Your dad said... Your you Stanley's was known for not having sales, right? Oh, I know. Right, we never had a sale. Never. I mean, like never. Never. <laughs> and so your father said, and I read this. Yeah. A quote. He said, "The largest sale of fine and estate jewelry that Arkansas has ever seen." Was that true? I mean, I feel like it was based on how much we sold. Um, you know, obviously we beefed up the inventory before the sale because we wanted to have. We would have just run out much too quickly, right? So we we had brought in a lot more than our normal stock of merchandise, and at the end of it, we had really that seems backwards. I know it does, but you can still if you can, if you had come in like several times over the course of the sale, you would have probably if you were really paying attention and really really a numbers person, you would have been like, well, gosh, there was some stuff last week that seemed like a really like incredible giveaway bargain, and these things seem like a good deal like better than usual but they don't seem like that ridiculous steal of last week and what happened was like our older inventory which we just slashed like 70 80 percent right just because it was like that's you know it's got to go it's got to go that stuff was a proportionately or percentage wise it was a much bigger sale some of the newer inventory started out at like 30 or 40 off and 
you know, by by the end of the at the end of the day, after it was all sold, we didn't make as much profit on it, but it all went into a very profitable sale. Yeah, I don't think I said that very well. I but, think you, you said know. it just fine. Thank it you. ended up being good. So, yep. so you started. Did you have to hire somebody to help you figure out how we, to close the business? We did. We hired a company who just coincidentally is from Stuttgart. Uh, they're the biggest in the business and really yeah it's called Wilkerson's and all they do oh, yeah yeah all they do well not all but one of their big thing is helping stores have sales moving relocation consolidation retirement whatever kind of sale you need to have if you don't know how to do it you call them and they were extraordinarily helpful and had a you know they knew what to do they knew when to do it they knew when the billboards should go up when the billboards should change when to run an ad when to do a mailer you know they were uh, when to go from a 60 percent over here on this case to a 70% over here, you know, I mean, they were every day, they had a plan. And, and the tax fantastic. ramifications, you mm -hmm. had to be careful about not just, you. did you use a couple of years to kind of start reduce, yes. reducing inventory because of yes. tax right. burdens? We, we, this was, I would say three years ago, we were, well, that's too far back. Two years ago, we were definitely planning it, you know, and, and working towards it slowly and methodically. And uh, what did your employees think? And that would be, I know that was a heartbreaker because you had oh. people that were there forever. That was really brutal because they were as shocked as anyone, obviously. And, you know, I really felt, and I still do have some guilt because, you know, I kind of, I kind of upended everybody's world and I, and it's me, it was me, you know, it was, I was the one who, who caused this um, tidal wave and it took me a while to not feel bad about it, you know what I mean? Because I was the person who who sh everyone thought would just take over and everything would stay the same, and I was the one who said, "Oh no, I don't want to do that. Sorry, you know, sorry, didn't mean to disrupt your disrupt your life, but I kind of disrupted a lot of lives." Um, fortunately, a new store is going in the same location, Park Hill Jewelers. I know, right? I didn't. We didn't know this at the time. It just came about about two months ago. And they are hiring several of our employees, which is fabulous. So the same people and our same jeweler is there who's the best jeweler in town and honest and their trust you know everything it's just like the what the comfort you felt with stanley's you know you'll feel there park hill jeweler mm -hmm. where did they come from um it's a it's a startup uh it's a yeah he's a startup he's a friend of dad's actually he's a pocket watch or he's a let me back up he's a watchmaker by training, never by trade, but he is a watch enthusiast. He's coins, all of that. He's been on the periphery of the jewelry industry for his whole life, I think. And he just sort of saw his opportunity and said, I want to do this. And so he's rebranding the store. I don't know what their merchandise is going to be like. I think they're going to open in a couple of weeks. And it should be great, for, especially for the neighborhood, because, you know, um, I was gonna ask we you, were an anchor for that neighborhood, I think. I, I, feel, think, I felt like we were. I think you were, too. You... you um you you own the building, mm -hmm. and so you're leasing it to right. him. We're leasing it to him, and uh, yeah. Oh, that's a that's so good. I'm so <clears throat> glad to good. hear that. Yeah. I read somewhere that your building was the first sliding door ever. Is that true? I don't know that. No. I don't know. I thought I heard someone say something about your father put in one of the first rotating doors. In. Oh, you no, know, I wouldn't no. put it past him, but I don't know. I don't know of that happening. So well, I'm glad to hear about that. Uh, I read in the paper that he arrived at his decision to close the store after much deliberation and study. Is that, are you the study? <laughs> well, he has his own methods of studying, I'm going to say, but I, was, uh, I tried to be helpful in the study process. <laughs> Let's take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Laura about her business, 
the gemologist business and how she's still planning to serve the fine jewelry lovers of the world. We're also going to find out what makes a good diamond, how to cut a good diamond. And mm -hmm. I think you cut the diamond that the Arkansas... The Esperanza diamond. Thank you. Esper I'll give you a complete update on her. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> want a pearl necklace you know I'm a pearl necklace lover I don't think there's ever been a picture of me that I wasn't wearing some form of a pearl necklace I have like 20 oh good for you how you like the one I'm wearing today I love it I love it, it I love the clasp I was admiring it so this is a vintage jewelry mm -hmm. and how do you clean a pearl necklace that has a beautiful gold clasp mm -hmm. that you can't really dunk down into gold jewelry cleaner right? So because you'll ruin the pearls. You would ruin the pearls. You could dip them, you know, quickly and then take a, an old soft toothbrush and kind of scrub around the gold, you know, to clean it. And then for the rest of the strand, you just would use soapy water and then lay it out flat and let it dry for at least 24 hours because it's strung on silk and there's a little silk knot in between every pearl. And you want the silk to dry totally. It's just like hair. When it gets wet, it gets weaker. So you want the silk dry before you put them back on because otherwise the, the thread will stretch and then it will be more prone to breaking. I have strung this necklace twice already. Mm -hmm. It seems like they break easy all the time. That's a heavy necklace. You've got a lot going on there. It's probably much more prone to breaking than a single strand with a little clasp. I wish I'd have had you string it mm -hmm. because I had another company string it and mm -hmm. they didn't get it right. Because it's three. Yeah, it's it needs. It doesn't lay yeah. right. It, and well, I, next time it breaks, I'll str I'll fix it for you. Yo, good. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, I kept all my pearl supplies. I'm ready for you. You said you like pearls. I love pearls. I love them. Love them. They're my favorite thing. Probably. Well, they're they they're like one breath behind diamonds. There's diamonds and there's pearls and then there's everything else. But but diamonds are so much more expensive. They are so much more so much more expensive, but they're pretty fantastic. They're pretty wonderful. They are. They're just very feminine. I wear mine with blue jeans, mm -hmm. pajamas, mm -hmm. or a dress. It doesn't yes. really matter. That is exactly right. Um, you spent 27 years in the business with your father, mm -hmm. Lloyd, and I don't have to tell you that Stanley Jewelers, gemologist, was a Central Arkansas legend from 1936 to 2016, and that your family defined trustworthy and quality service. Thank you. And I know you're proud of that tradition, and I want to hear how you're going to continue that with your new business, Laura Stanley Personal Jewelry. Well, I, everything I know I learned from Stanley Jewelers and my father, so I'm going to keep all of that in the way I operate and 
in everything in terms of, you know, being trustworthy and, and close-lipped and, you know, all of that. Um, I, I'm just going to, I'm just transitioning to where instead of just sort of dropping in on me, you just have to call and make the appointment first. Um, and I don't have the inventory because that makes it a whole lot easier to lock the door and leave town for a week if I want to, which as we know is, you know, the point. Um, so I will have a, I, at any given time, I'll have a few pieces of inventory, but I won't have anything even remotely like a jewelry store. So you're going to continue to live in Little Rock? Well, uh, yeah, f yes, yes. Because, you know, we have a house here already. We already have a house in Memphis. So it only makes sense. I sort of, for about five minutes, toyed with the idea of doing this in Memphis, right? Like right. moving to Memphis. But right. I don't know anyone in Memphis. Nobody knows me in Memphis. It would have been a, just an enormous uphill battle. And it just seemed like for the next couple of years anyway, if I work in Little Rock three or four days a week and then hit the road, that's fine. And maybe that's yeah. why you like your husband so much. I, you are not the first person. <laughs> <laughs> what does he do for a living? He's a doctor and he's at, he's uh, medical genetics is his field and he is uh, not only does he do research he's clinical he's md phd he works at labonner children's hospital and st jude so he's right there in downtown memphis and we have a house on the island so when i head over there it's great because you know you cross the river and boom you know you're there you don't have to work your way through all of memphis track st jude's is great but why yeah. don't he why isn't he at uams or children's um i you know there was there was no appropriate place for him when he was looking for a job so yeah. you know but he could end up moving here he could certainly he could at some point but so you've reinvented Invented yourself professionally you work by appointment mm -hmm. and you find jewelry for people I do yes yes I do um, I find and yesterday I had two ladies come in who both had jewelry they had inherited or collected over the years and they wanted it turned into one thing like this one woman had her diamond her deceased husband's ring and her father's ring and she wanted all three of those things into one so we sat and talked about what kind of jewelry she likes, what kind of lifestyle she has, what would be the best type of jewelry for her, and we are now working on a pendant, taking all of those components. And her mother, who came with her, had an old ring that had been her wedding set, and her husband's also deceased, and she wanted to turn it into a more contemporary ring that was a little less bridal-looking, you know, more fashion-looking. So we're working on a way to take all of those diamonds and rework them into a new design so we're going to use all her diamonds and her gold and so it will be her same ring just a little bit repurposed and a little revamped for the you know the modern times i think it's nice when people wear their deceased loved mm -hmm. ones ring around their neck on a chain do you see that very mm -hmm. often sure yes, yes i remember when katie carrick wore her husband's mm -hmm. on the today mm -hmm. show for a right. while right um and a lot of people like to do that is that dangerous no, if you have a good chain and if the chain is, you know, appropriately strong for whatever you're wearing on it, not any more dangerous than any other sort of pendant you might wear. So you're making custom pieces mm -hmm. and you're an appraiser. Yes, right. And I just joined, actually, I'm a brand new member of National Association of Jewelry Appraisers um, because I, I've been a certified gemologist appraiser for 20 years and that's um, as sort of a parallel group, I guess, you know, like the American Gem Society has its functions and that's its uh, training for appraising. And National Association of Jewelry Appraisers is just a little broader, like that's all they do. So they're a little more focused on every single aspect of appraising, whereas the CGA title is a little, I guess it's a little narrower, I don't know. The training's a little narrower. So I just thought that with this change coming, that having a little, having another title, having another organization, affiliation, a little better, a little more credentialed, how do you, you know, advertise for that? 
How do you advertise? Do you just put a website up? I mean, and yeah. say, you know, for appraisals, or is it word of mm-hmm. mouth that people find you? Or you, uh, a lot it, of it. Most people appraise for insurance companies, I guess. Yeah, most appraisals are for insurance. I did. One, I'm doing one right now though that's an estate appraisal for someone whose father had passed away. But well, actually, both of his parents, and he ended up with everything, and he and his sister are trying to sort through it. And so we're doing an appraisal on that. Most appraisals are for insurance. Sometimes it's an estate. You really do have to be tight-lipped to be in a, to be in the jewelry business. Oh. It's very personal. Oh yeah. I never would have thought about that before. I mean, you before. can't you can't say, "Oh, I saw so and so yesterday. They were in the store." Because then it's like, "Oh, what were they doing? What was the deal?" It's like Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we always used to joke. We're, we are Las Vegas. Do not worry. Don't worry. And you know, it's not that anything was particularly nefarious or all that interesting most of the time. Every once in a while, we had an interesting case. But um, usually, it's just people don't want their private business out, especially if they're buying something expensive. You know, they don't want somebody to know. And it could be a surprise wedding. And it could be a surprise, and it could be that they buy say a gift six months in advance so you certainly don't want to ruin that surprise if the wife just doesn't know about it yet you know what i mean we had one years ago at stanley's we had a man in the store buying shopping for his wife it was christmas right like it was november or december so it was in the within the christmas umbrella right and his wife walks in and goes i saw your car what are you doing i mean and he was like uh and it just killed like she i don't know what her gift was but it wasn't jewelry because he just made up some reason and left you know what i mean because she just like completely busted him out and not very she was not thinking she was not thinking obviously not (laughs) anyway so but we don't tell we tell no one i tell no one anything can you tell what the biggest diamond you've ever sold was uh 11.5 carats how big is that it was pretty big Um, is it a half an inch uh yes is it bigger than thumbnail thumbnail size yeah it was big how do you wear that there are people who wear fashion and things that someone else, if they put them on, they would look like a clown and vice versa. And if it suits you, then you can wear it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, and this is not a big person. She was, she's a, she's your size. You know, there's nothing just about her that would say she should wear big rings. One of our customers from Stanley's who was the sweetest little woman, she's probably 85 years old, tiny little lady, five feet, you know, probably 95 pounds. And she wore more jewelry on her person at any given time than I own. I mean, she would, and I'm not exaggerating, she would have on 15 rings on each hand, 10 or 12 necklaces, you know, bracelets up to her elbow. I mean, I'm not kidding. And she looked fantastic. I mean, you couldn't even, you could not even criticize her because she just wore it so well. And that's a lot of responsibility to wear that much jewelry. Yes, it is. Yes, it certainly is. And she owned it and she, and she wore it beautifully. And I mean, she was an inspiration. I couldn't pull it off and I'm twice her size. I couldn't pull off all that jewelry. You You know? know, I went in and bought these two rings from you on your sale yes mm-hmm. and uh i wore every piece of jewelry i have that's my father's <laughs> watch he's dead and so i wear it as a memento yes. it doesn't work and then i don't know what that is my husband gave that to me what is that that is quartz that has been treated on top to give it that you know metallic effect. Yeah. so that's a bracelet mm-hmm. yep and nice. then i have on four enormous rings mm-hmm. that i should have had my son take a picture and put on facebook so everybody could see <laughs> exactly and these are not Diamonds, they're just big gems. What are these gems? Well, you have amethyst, citrine, smoky quartz, and I'm going to guess blue topaz, although uh, there's a chance that's aquamarine, but it looks like a blue topaz. But until we we always had a rule, you don't side ID, you don't side ID, because you will always, you know, it will be the one time that that purple is not amethyst, but I'm pretty sure that's what you have there. But for when people would walk in and say, what is this? I would always take it up front and test it, or dad would. 
because if you get if you just go oh well obviously that's an amethyst it's going to be the one time out of a million that it's not you know what i mean yeah so we would always go up front and and, do and how do you test couple. it there are a couple of ways you have there's magnification because certain gems have certain types of inclusions that you characteristics know, yeah, that you characteristics look for. that you look for you look at how it reflects refracts light you look at its refractive index the speed at which it refracts light and if it splits it in two or if it doesn't split it in two and with those three things you can narrow it down really well and after that there are just very few gems that that are still inconclusive so you can within just a few minutes if you're properly trained you can figure out what something is i mean i like this big cocktail size ring no they're fantastic and see you they're big rings and you're a little person and you wear them beautifully i really like them but you can tell they're not expensive like a diamond because if they were you couldn't afford them because they're enormous so what makes a diamond more expensive and makes these less expensive well the what makes us what's makes you know there's a gem there's a what are the what are the the precious stones Mm -hmm. precious stones people call them precious or Mm semi-precious right like that's kind of how it's categorized in most people's head so those would all if you were using that language you would call all of those semi-precious and you would say that precious would be like diamond ruby emerald sapphire those are kind that's diamond kind of ruby emerald sapphire mm-hmm. yeah. so diamond of course is its own thing but then ruby emerald sapphire are kind of the big three in color mm-hmm. and then there's kind of everything else you know there are levels of everything else but that's sort of the way it's always broken down in my head and this one is white gold right so it was more expensive than silver than silver Correct. but you can't really tell um can you tell i could tell but maybe not everybody <laughs> could but it's you know i mean i know what to look for so you know sterling silver is a much less precious metal obviously white gold is gold so it's just a more expensive metal yeah and it wears differently and it doesn't tarnish and so you know there are benefits to having white gold and these semi precious stones mm-hmm. will they fade with the sun no they won't fade with the sun but what happens to them and you don't notice it until it's done is that you get these little teeny tiny scratches especially on your light blue and also and and all of a sudden you're like why is this not sparkling and when you look at it under magnification you can see all these little bitty scratches and it's just keeping them from sparkling the way they did when they were brand new they can be repolished on the top usually almost always the other thing that happens with very light colored stones is that if they just get a little lotion or hairspray or dead skin or anything up under them then it also kills their ability to reflect light and sparkle that's why it's important to keep your rings clean because you want to keep all that dirt and stuff off of them and do you do you like those little trays where you dip your jewelry down into the cleaner that's fine those are fine they work well um basically if you use those or if you use half ammonia half water or mr clean and water you're gonna get mr the same clean effect. that's what we used at the that's what i use in my cleaner now that's what we use at stanley's mr clean and water half and half and it will cut the grease it'll cut through the dirt and the and it also has a um, soap component and you know you mix it with water so it's not too strong and you wouldn't put pearls in there no and you wouldn't put amber and you wouldn't put anything organic or or a coral anything like that but you would put rocks which all of yours are you know under the category of rocks and diamonds and and gold and platinum no problem and amber used to be my favorite tell people what amber is i didn't believe it when i first heard what amber was fossilized tree sap (laughs) with insects in it well and sometimes it has insects it depends you know so sometimes it does sometimes the pieces the nice pieces that have a a whole insect are the really expensive ones you know and usually like when you see amber beads or a chunk or something you know you rarely get an insect or or at least not a recognizable insect so when you find one that's got a real you know shape of an insect that's when they get expensive your diamond on your finger mm-hmm. is unbelievable thank you i like it it shines like no diamond i've ever seen 
I cleaned it this morning, <laughs> which you, helps. You probably do every day. I do. I clean it every day. But and you said it has a special cut. Well, it's a round, brilliant cut, and it's a very well. It's very precision. It's very precision cut. It is. Um, it is what you would call an ideal cut diamond, which means that the facets are aligned in a very particular way. The angles and the alignment all are precision placed to most effectively reflect light and disperse light and to cause scintillation and brilliance, which is what you want in a diamond. Uh, you can have a colorless, flawless diamond, and if it doesn't have the facet arrangement, it doesn't sparkle because it's all about reflecting the light. And so, and, Is that and cut at Stanley Jewelers? Not at Stanley Jewelers, but our, our diamond cutter who cut the Esperanza diamond, which was found here in Arkansas, is the one who cut this diamond. But he did it in his factory in Canada. But that's, I mean, that's fine. He did I, a great job. So, the, so tell everybody what the Esperanza mm -hmm. diamond is. The Esperanza diamond was found at the Crater of Diamonds Park, I guess close to two years ago now. A lady from Colorado found it. Just like the last week when that kid found the 7.44 brown in half an hour, did you hear about that? No. The kid, I don't know where he's from, but they said he's from Arkansas. I'm not sure. And his name is Kal-El something. And he named it the Superman diamond, which I think is awesome. And he said he was going to keep it. And it was a brown, okay? So like a fancy brown color. You'd call if it If he had it cut and polished to sparkle, you'd call it chocolate. You know, it's that brown is how it looked in the picture. But the Esperanza diamond is the opposite. It was colorless, completely colorless. And this woman, Brooke, found it. How big was it? It was eight point... It was eight and a half carats when she found it. It cut to 4.62 carats, which is a pretty good return. Usually you lose a lot more than that. Really? Yeah. That you, makes me ill. Yeah. You, you lose a lot. It was a really funny shape. It was like long. It was like a bean. that It looked sort of like a bean that somebody smushed. Why couldn't you just take that diamond mm -hmm. and put it in a setting and just leave it like it was? You, she could have. She could have. She absolutely could have. But she wanted to sell it. And the way to sell it and get something actually out of it was to have it cut. And, and make it brilliant turn like into yours. a brilliant, yeah. It actually had its own special cut because of its weird rough shape. It would have cut into something very small if you'd tried to do it to a traditional shape. So we had, so Mike, the, Mike both of the cutter, designed a shape for it called a triolet, which is, you know how a briolet that you see in like teardrop shape stones that are faceted all the way around you right. see them in like kind of antique jewelry a lot well he called it a triolet because it was sort of three-sided but it had all of that faceting all the way around if any of your listeners want to look on facebook she has her own page called diamond esperanza diamond you can just type that in facebook and you'll find her and all kinds of pictures from the rough through all the way through the process to the end product and so she turned into this triolet which maintained 4.62 carats which is a really good return on cutting and there were no little everyone says well what about all the little ones there were none what he did was the way this diamond was shaped they call it a makeable diamond which means he just made it into the shape so he just one angle at a time Shaved polished it, it and oh, so polished it. yeah polished it with a it, it almost looks like a record player but it's a diamond wheel and he precisely you know puts the facets on precision in a very highly precision method and basically everyone who came into stanley jewelers during the cutting breathed in little teeny tiny bits of, of Esperanza because she just it just sort of evaporates after it not evaporates but molecularly speaking you know it just kind of goes back into the atmosphere because it wasn't even enough dust you couldn't even pick up the dust you so know, they it did it at gone. your store we did it at the store it was amazing this was like two this was September of 15 I think September of 2015 well it made and national news made national news made all kinds of news one of the jewelry magazines said we had the third greatest promotion in the country that year it was terrific it was a 
really uplifting, happy, really informational and fun event. You know, people would bring their kids. I mean, adults would come in and say, I've never seen anyone cut a diamond, which is totally reasonable because, you know, why would you? So all kinds of people came in, you know. How long uh, did it take? He was there for about 10 days. Wow. He had only planned on being there for like four or five days. And it's the man from Canada. The guy, yeah, Mike. He, the, the diamond, the thing about the diamond, she was, she was tested after she went to the lab to get all of her paperwork and whatnot. She was tested. She was pure carbon. There was not a trace, not an impure trace of anything in her, which is highly unusual in a diamond. She's a particular type, type 2A diamond. And because she is 100% pure crystallized carbon, she is just super crazy hard, okay? I mean, diamonds are all hard, but if they have nitrogen in them, then you get a little color, like just a little hint of color, not even a yellow diamond, but just a little off-white, which technically the diamond I'm wearing right now is not colorless, right? It has a little nitrogen. That's the way it formed. No problem. It looks beautiful. There's not a problem, but it's not colorless the way she was. And because she didn't have that nitrogen to even break up the carbon atoms just a little tiny bit, she was like the hardest thing ever. And so it took him like 30% longer than he thought just because it was so much harder to polish the facets. What'd you appraise it at? That is such a hard question. She is still for sale, technically. She toured the country, went to a bunch of different jewelry stores. We had some people bid on her. We had thought initially she would bring somewhere like $500,000 based on... Dead gum! Yeah, based on her quality and her provenance and her everything, right? And in the end, she never was actually sold. So we said, okay, we're going to send her to auction. So literally three days ago, it's very timely, she went to auction. And because of technical difficulties, which is just so horrible, with the people being able to call in and bid on her, nobody could call in. Like you, if you were in Boston, you could bid, but the people who had signed up to call in could not get through. So they had to just like null the whole thing. So, so she's going to she be up for bid so again. So she's, she is currently for sale, right? At Do you own moment, her or does this lady own her? But there are several people who own her. The lady still owns an interest and a few people bought in. So anyway. The and you diamond call diamonds still, girls. You talk about she, she. Well, she's a she. She's she's a she. A she. If you saw her, you, I mean, if you saw this diamond, you know she's a she. And plus, and Brooke named her Esperanza, which is a female she, name. And also the Hope diamond. She's Hope Jr., which maybe is why she's been so difficult her whole life. I don't know. Because <laughs> Esperanza in Spanish means hope. Esperanza in Spanish means hope. Exactly. So anyway, she is still available. If anybody's interested, call me and I can hook you up with the person who's currently taking care of her she's on her way to denver for a while and then you're going to put her up for auction again probably unless she are you going to put that on your website so people can get in touch with oh, can sure. go there and yeah, find that's it that's a great uh, idea diamonds are forever they are all i need to please me they can Stimulate to tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert me Diamonds are forever Hold one up and then caress it Touch it, stroke it and undress it I 
love that song. That's James Bond. I wonder if that lady sang in the Dreamland Ballroom, Tim. Shirley Bassey would have to look that up. That's a good one. She might have. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with gemologist Laura Stanley from Stanley Jewelers, who now has her own private business, Laura Stanley Personal Jeweler. And you can reach her at her website, laura.diamonds. Best website <laughs> ever in the planet. Thank you. You're so welcome. So we're talking about the Esperanza diamond that was found in Murfreesboro, mm-hmm. Arkansas, that's worth a half a million dollars. I'm yep. blown away. Is that the most? You know, there is one in the Smithsonian, the Uncle Sam diamond, which I don't believe has ever really been appraised. It's been there for 40 years or something. But I suspect because it's a lot bigger and because it's got a little yellow to it, but it's a much larger diamond, and I bet it would be at least as valuable. Was it found in Murfreesboro? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and they have, yeah, there's a great collection at the Smithsonian of cut and rough gems that were found in Murfreesboro. And it, it's possible, since Esperanza did not sell the other day, and she's still sort of out and about, it, we may lend her to the Smithsonian for a couple of years and just, you know, let her sit there and let people see her because she's really beautiful. That's so nice. Yeah. So you've sold your business. If, if anybody's tuning in, Laura Stanley sold the family business after eight decades, and she's going out on her own. And you can reach her for appraisals or to get custom jewelry made. In fact, while I was talking to you, I think of something I'm going to have you make for me I that delighted. I lost. And oh. I want it back. I want oh. one back because I've got a picture of me Good. In, in it, so I'll send it over to you. Okay, perfect. What was the biggest, hardest thing to let go of? about getting rid of your family business? Um, you know, the the wonderful thing about being a part of Stanley Jewelers is that you were a part of Stanley Jewelers, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, and especially to be a Stanley who is part of Stanley Jewelers is really a wonderful thing. You know, if I said my name, people instantly, they just treated me like family instantly as soon as they knew I was part of that group. And that, I mean, I hope that people will remember. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it was it was a special thing and it was a... Um, we, we worked really hard, obviously. We worked really hard to earn that reputation and to earn the love, I guess, of the community. But, I mean, that was very difficult to walk away from. Very difficult to walk away from. And we talked about this in the 30 minutes before about how this is the perfect extension and really a more modern way to do yeah. business because keeping a retail store open today is so hard to do. It's, it's difficult. I mean, there's just like a million reasons that it's, you know, a hassle and, and difficult and challenging and all of those things. It, it's very rewarding, I think. If, if circumstances were different... I probably would have taken it over, you know, but it just wasn't. But your the way sister's for me. in California, mm-hmm. and you're here, right? And uh, Park Hill Park Hill Jewelers is, is coming take, along. They're so, taking over your right, spot, exactly, which is terrific for Park Hill. And most of the Stanley employees are staying there at Park Hill Jewelers, and so they're happy, and everybody's happy. So it's really been a win-win. So it really yeah. is. And yeah. we've got five minutes left, and this is really controversial. But what is that? What does that mean about the blood diamonds? Oh, okay. Um, what does that even fine. mean? Well, okay, so long story short, everyone's seen the movie. There was a real problem with rebels in Africa taking diamonds, selling them, and using the money for horrible, horrible things. Now, you could say the same thing about, like, uh, so many commodities coming out of Africa, right? Oil, uh, other minerals, metals. There, I mean, you know, it's not like diamonds were the only thing, but they got some really bad press because they're so valuable and, and because there was no... There was a disconnect between like, oh, look at your beautiful diamond. And then when people started to find out what might have happened before that diamond got to them, they felt really there was a lot of angst and guilt and, and concern 
completely justified. So this is all 20 years ago when that was happening. And so the, the diamond community on a worldwide level got together, formed the Kimberly process, and is doing a pretty good job of curtailing that and keeping track of and tracking the shipments and, and trying to trying the best it can to make that problem disappear. I mean, I don't know enough to say it's 100% effective. I've heard different things, but it is a, it's a problem with any precious commodity, and the diamond industry as a whole is really trying to address it. So the Kimberly process is what it's called. Anybody who wants to read up more about it, if you just Google that, you can learn oh so much about it. The State Department, you know, here in the U.S. is involved, and every country has a, you know, department with um, their own representatives, and they meet every like every six months and talk about the, the Kimberly was it called the Kimberly Kimberly process well that's good to know so yep. now you can wear a diamond without any guilt right exactly that's exactly right um that's and if good you buy, and if you buy an estate diamond you don't even have to worry about it because you know it was cut so long ago that I, love <laughs> state, I love estate I love estate diamonds and you can help people find estate jewelry yes absolutely in fact I've already have discussed with more people in the last three weeks than I imagined the possibility of me selling their estate jewelry for them. So there is an endless supply. I love estate jewelry. Yep. So for coming on the show, I used to yep. give away cigars because you'd birthed a business, but I've changed. <laughs> You're going to crack. This is going to crack you up. Look at my new T-shirts. Oh, I love it. Up yours. <laughs> <laughs> up yours. Up in your business with Carrie McCoy. Uh, I love it. Uh, Very good. Nice. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And you brought me some of my favorite readers. I've been looking for some readers in white. You and I are syncopatic because mm-hmm. this is exactly what I needed was these readers readers so thank you very much hey tim do you know who our guest is next week yeah i actually wrote it down oh our guest get, i'm next getting him week trained is going to be joe calhoun of the calhoun law firm oh he's going to talk about patents he's a patent lawyer that's right yeah and he gives seminars on patents yeah so that'll be good information he owns his own business so he's an entrepreneur and he's going to talk about patents so if people have ideas that they want to patent what is patentable and what is not? I'm going to listen because I have a friend who has a brilliant idea that needs to be patented. Oh, Joe's the man. I've known Joan for, Joe for 30 years. Excellent. So to our listeners, if you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right but it's also been about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday at 2 p.m. on KABF Radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit? Jot this down. Within 48 hours, the podcast will be available at upyourbusiness.org or at flagandbanner.com. Again, that's upyourbusiness.org. Click the tab label podcast. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal? To help you live the American dream.